0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com.
1: To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown!
0: Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report.
1: Slammed to the ground by Baker. like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield, one-handed catch and a Touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins.
0: The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go.
1: Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel?
0: Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton.
2: Tis the season. We've got free agency, the drafts, and then what started for me over the weekend and maybe for some of you. Allergy season. Not going to lie. I got hit hard Saturday and Sunday, so bear with me. Everyone else, though, good. Drew, it's been a little while since we've had the fortunate pleasure of you here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat.
3: yeah it's good to be back uh i didn't know that cactus pollen was a real thing <laughs> until i moved out here to the valley but apparently it, it is it's affecting some of us basically anything that
2: grows out of the ground i'm allergic to okay well, so uh, when it blooms you know april flowers bring yeah that that, that it's allergy season <laughs> basically all year round but it really got me hard over the. well weekend. i think it's more the pollen yeah it's everywhere especially when the wind blows yeah but, All right. No one really wants to hear about our problems. It's been still somewhat quiet on the free agent front. Team did add a tight end, Steven Anderson, which we'll get into later. But there is... A growing sense of normalcy when we talk about the draft. There will be a Cardinals draft party at State Farm Stadium on Thursday, April 28th from 4 to 9, presented by Arizona Four Dealers. So there is some semblance of normalcy. MJ admission and parking are both free. It's going to be a lot of fun out there. You can go to azcardinals.com for more information. But here we are, three weeks before the 2022 NFL draft.
4: And the last time, if I'm not mistaken, was the Kyler Murray draft. And obviously the Cardinals had the first pick in the draft here. It's going to be 23rd, whether they move up or down. So, you know, get there early, uh, watch the draft unfold, see a lot of players come off the board, and hopefully the Cardinals have, a, you know, an idea of what they want to do, whether, you know, they're picking at 23, move up a few spots, or move down to acquire another third-round pick, considering they don't have a fourth and a fifth. So, yeah, it's gonna be a good time out there and, and obviously, you know, just the 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 build up. It's different than having the 8th pick in overall and the 16th pick. Now it's 23rd, and that means you were a playoff team a year ago.
2: And it's hard to predict what the team, what the options might be at pick number 23. And you talked about no fourth-round pick because that was part of the deal to move up to select Marco Wilson. No fifth-round selection because that went to Philadelphia in exchange for tight end Zach hurt So that looks good on paper. More normalcy. We've got off-season dates, Drew, and I don't know as a veteran – how you feel about this but the off-season strength and conditioning program begins april 19th for the arizona cardinals and then 10 days of otas three days of mini camp, which we haven't seen over the last couple of off seasons
3: yeah i think that's instrumental to getting these young guys back in the building getting them acclimated to what's going on because they had an entire year to digest everything that was thrown at them and sometimes it's a lot or for most of the guys it is a lot so you get a chance to kind of pull back I mean, this is the first time that these young guys really get a sense of what's going on and then they come back in the building and this strength and conditioning program is as good as it gets anywhere at any facet um you know, with Buddy Morris and his team, what he's put there, the sports science behind everything that they do. I mean, I I wouldn't go anywhere else. I would come here year-round because uh, to be able to have Buddy Morris, who was the strength coach of the year, at your disposal, that you can walk into this building, you can do everything you need to do within the confines of the rules. It's pretty spectacular. And then you get into mini camp and you kind of start to crawl before you walk, walk before you run that whole process of the build up, the training camp for a lot of these guys because they haven't had that luxury. And now you can sit there and you can ask questions, you can be able to dive deeper into what's going on. But for some of these young guys that are going to be counted on to take, you know, instrumental steps for us to be where we want to be next year, they can sit there and see themselves on film why did you do this? You can diagnose things. So it's such a valuable asset and tool if you approach it that way. If you just come in and say, okay, well, I'm here to work out and then I'm here to you know, get my little bit of money that I get and then I'm going to go hit the golf course. Well, then you're missing the boat and you're going to be in a really tough position come training camp because this is going to be a difficult roster to make.
2: It is voluntary outside of the three-day mini camp, which is mandatory, but to the point that you just made, the approach that you make, individual approach on how you deal with this offseason, and I'll go back to someone that you're very familiar with, Matthew Stafford. We heard from him leading into the Super Bowl and in post-Super Bowl the amount of work that he put in on his own, and then the work with Cooper Cup. Much of that work and the success during the regular season happened in the offseason, happened during these months right now. He didn't have to do it but he chose to, and obviously we saw what the end result
3: was. Exactly, with expectation becomes preparation, and you realize these things, and there's lofty goals that everybody has. All 32 teams that are sitting around the league right now aren't saying, "I'm gonna." we're only going to win four games. If you look at any of these teams that aren't great, they're optimistic, and that's really what you're leaning into because you're trying to come together as a unit, and you're trying to weather different storms, but the only way to, to be able to do that authentically is by spending time together with one another. I mean, when I first got in the NFL NFL, we started in the beginning of March and it felt like forever just to get to training camp and then training camp was more brutal because you didn't have, you know, the luxuries that you have now. All that's gone by the wayside, so you have to get familiar with one of each other very quickly so yes as a professional it's going to take time away from this facility to be able to do that if you want to be as good as you want to be and as good as you say you want to be and matthew stafford cooper cup those are the type of guys that you see put the work in and the the guys even here that are all capable of doing those type of things uh the the makeup of this roster will lead you to believe they'll be the exact same way
4: yeah according to the the story they're they're meeting at 6 a.m you know having coffee watching film and then obviously go out there on the field uh and and Russell Wilson does a lot of this with his guys in the offseason. So if we fast forward to OTAs, you know, which players in which position groups, well, clearly they got to figure out what they have in, in Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, and then, you know, another year with Rondell Moore and another year with Marco Wilson. So to me it's, it's the young players that, you know, maybe scratched the surface last year, but they're going to be counted on more this year including the guys I mentioned. And we see guys make a jump from year one to two. Sometimes it takes you from year two to three. I think we see the upside in Jalen Thompson and Byron Murphy. But when I look at Murphy, he's got to be more consistent, and this is with the time you put the work in.
2: You're running at, what, half speed, maybe even less than half speed. So if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, it's more about the footwork and the technique. There is no hitting involved. But then I always go back to the relationship or the chemistry quarterback-pass catcher, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's a tight end, a running back. Figuring out, especially if it's a new player, and in figuring out where I like the football, where I'm going to place the football, I like it over my outside shoulder, I prefer it over my inside shoulder, that all is stuff that can be done on air in t-shirts and shorts.
3: Exactly. you know. And I think the, the thing that really, my biggest point of emphasis was always communication right getting on the same page with everybody there's a foundation that's been built here now with cliff and with kyler and with vance really so how can you take that foundation and make it even firmer how can you take that foundation and build on it and i think that's through communication to your point you know offensive lineman yes it's not as physical but as opposed to center making the call and rodney hudson being on the same page and then trying to tell everybody what's going on um you get all five guys on the same page so they're seeing the same thing they're talking the same language and it's not a matter of communicating it it's just boom it happens at the push of a button everybody knows what they're doing to your point with the wide receiver and a quarterback or a you know a quarterback and a tight end all of those things really do matter right because it's it's great certain guys that I worked with, they run routes, even it might be the same route, but how they run it on the right side is vastly different than how they run it on the left side. If they break down, when they drop their weight, how they come out of their cut, you know, is this a a speed cut? Is this a breakdown and come out of the cut? Is this the right angle that you're at? Is this the right coverage we're seeing? So, yes, this allows you to do those things, much like on the defensive side of the ball, that secondary has to work in unison. Their disguising of coverages, how much we do and how active we are at the line of scrimmage, with our safeties rocking and rolling them, trying to hold it the last second, all of that can play off of each other because as a quarterback and a well-studied quarterback that watches a lot of film in this league like most guys are nowadays, you have to be able to see if one guy's out of position, you know he's going to be wrong, but if the whole picture looks the same and then it shifts post-snap, it becomes much more difficult. So there's all of those little things and nuances that you can hone in on right now because, to your point, it is half speed. It gets ramped up, but it's more about the teaching and the education than anything else
4: well I think we've talked about this just bringing back Zach Ertz and, and James Conner with the, you know obviously Conner had a full offseason but Ertz was uh, you know a season trade but you look at uh, Steven Anderson you look at Jeff uh, Gladney Will Hernandez Jalen Samuels so and Nick Virgil, they they have a lot of guys that have been in this system. So obviously some new guys are going to have to catch up, and and you're curious to see what they install and everything else, but it's not like you're going to have to reteach 20 new guys well, what it's like to practice and everything else and again they'll add more players but at least it's not complete turnover
2: year four there should be yes. a lot more familiarity you can go in and maybe jump in with both feet as far as going Correct. backpedaling and figure out what you need to work on we talk about the on-field chemistry how about the off-field chemistry guys getting to know each other away from the game and hanging out well that hasn't happened just yet but speaking of hanging out in the community jj watt on Saturday. Put the message out on social media, hey, come join me at Coach House in Scottsdale for a couple of hours. Really hadn't been able to engage the fan base since he arrived because of the pandemic, and I thought some of the pictures and video that we saw, he had a good time. He had to make sure he was back home with his wife to make sure he watched UNC and Duke in the Final Four, but it's Getting out and about, and I know you do a lot of stuff and still continue to do stuff, Drew, but uh, as far as hanging out with Drew Stanton, whether it was in East Lansing when you are at Michigan State or here in Arizona or the number of places that you played, it is part of trying to figure out, all right, if you're going to immerse yourself with the team, you should also immerse yourself with the community as well. Oh,
3: I, I think they go hand in hand. I mean, I, I was very conscious of the fact that this fan base especially, um, how much they embraced us when we got here. You know, I came in with a new regime, and there was some influx and all of those things. But getting involved with the community is part of who we are as professional athletes because of the reach that we have, doing hospital visits, going to different charity events. And the Cardinals Charities do such a good job of kind of setting the table for you. I mean, they do a fantastic job to be able to put – different opportunities in front of you so then you can go serve this community because this community allows us to do what we do. It allows us to feed our family, and that was never lost on me. So getting involved and having kids and a lot of stuff, anything involved with kids, I always said yes to. I mean, anything. Uh, golf outings, not nearly as much because you know I, I don't like to golf, and five hours on a golf course sometimes can be a little long for me. But I still do it because I know, again, how important it is to this brand uh, and the community that supports us.
4: Yeah, he does a great job in, in greeting himself, you know, whether it was in Wisconsin, obviously in Houston, raising over $400 million, and now he's doing it here, and because of the pandemic, you know, a lot of a lot of these guys haven't been able to go out and about, but it was nice to see him reach out to the fans, and, you know, I'm sure we're going to see more of this, and we'll see a lot of uh, Cardinals players at the Suns playoff game, so it's going to be a good time in the offseason where we can get back to some normalcy.
2: Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows at your convenience, like the Dave Patch Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, The Big Red Rage, and of course this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Just getting started here on a Tuesday morning. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network.
1: Second down and goal for the Chargers on the Eagle two. Herbert under center, Kelly the tailback, Anderson the fullback in the eye, rolling to the light is Herbert. He's got Anderson at the goal line, touchdown. He's done a lot of the dirty work for this Charger team, a lot of blocking, he's played some fullback, he's lined up at fullback on this one. Great play fake by Justin Herbert, rolling to the right, and it was a race between Anderson and the linebacker T.J. Edwards, and Anderson won.
2: 16 catches, 165 yards, and one touchdown for Steven Anderson last season with the Chargers. That play call, thanks to the Chargers radio network. And Steven Anderson now a member of the Arizona Cardinals, signing a one-year contract. We continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by Geek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Lou, Drew Stanton, and Mike Drecky talking about this tight end and what it might mean for this offense overall. Anderson, 6'3", 230, 29 years old. Don't know a whole lot about Steven Anderson, MJ, but again, you're adding a tight end to what this offseason has already done. Bringing back A. Zach Ertz, bringing back a Max Williams. You got three other tight ends as well. Does seem seven tight ends versus six wide receivers on this roster at the moment maybe more tight end emphasis within the offense.
4: Yeah, you know, you're bringing in some more experience. Uh, obviously, you had Demetrius Harris and Terrell Daniels, and those guys are free agents. We know how deep the draft is. I don't anticipate they would take a tight end in the first couple of rounds considering you have Zach Ertz on the contract. But, you know, I think we're all kind of intrigued with this twelve personnel and you know, I was listening to Wolf recently, and he he thinks you know possibly that they were going to run more 12 personnel. Maybe we could see Colin Murray under center. Uh, he said he he's just kind of connecting to that, so to speak. I don't want to put words in his mouth, and that would be more of a deep dive why this team is struggled down the stretch. Uh, I don't I don't think it's just one thing. Obviously, you got to be healthy at certain positions, but I think they'll bring six tight ends to camp, and uh, obviously they'll t- they'll take the top three.
2: It is April, Drew. We've got. Five plus months before the regular season but to MJ's point as far as connecting the dots what have they done in the offseason to this point to help Kyler Murray and this offense it has been an emphasis on the tight end less so on the wide receiver
3: yeah well I think there's a couple reasons for that right when you look at a tight end and we just classified as one position but they can be broken up a lot of different ways there can be a Y tight end there can be an F tight end where an F is more of In the backfield, more athletic type of a guy that's a pass catcher, something along those lines, versus a true traditional Y tight end, um, per se, like a Max Williams type of a guy that can run and block and do all this stuff. So you can move them around, but they're just kind of encapsulated in one position of tight end when you throw a blanket on all of it. So, you know, a little bit different of a body type. Uh, Again, and when you're trying to structure stuff, In the offseason, you look back and and you see what you did well, what you need to improve, and everything in between that. And so in saying that, when you have to run the football, can you run the football? They were doing that earlier in the year. They were imposing their will at the end of games to close games out. They couldn't establish the run when they wanted to in the the second half of the season, even when they made an emphasis of saying, hey, we can't get Kyler hit as much. We can't do all of these things. So how do you do that? You give yourself flexibility within personnel groupings to say, hey, we gain an advantage here because we really like the fact that we can get him on the field versus him, or we want this type of defensive personnel on the field because they're going to match. They're going to stay in nickel even if we're in 12 personnel. So they gain an advantage there, or they stay in base, or whatever it is, so we gain a pass advantage. So it it becomes one of these things where you just give yourself freedom to go down different uh, paths uh, when the time comes.
4: Now, talk, we've always been talking about under center and everything else, and we know that they run a lot of RPOs, pistol, zone reads. How will that affect his his skill set if he has to go under center where you're basically, when you're in the gun, you can see the entire field, but when you're in, under center, you've got to turn your, your back a little bit talk about that for us layman's out there
3: yeah well i think part of it's just the requirement of the play right and i I don't believe it's very hard to go under center especially if you're putting a point of emphasis on it right now and you know we don't have access to to know what they're thinking but at the same time the pistol is very much like being under center right It, it gets the back back in the home position as we call it so he's not offset and there's different keys especially within this offense that you can do or different game planning things of they'll blitz the back different ways on defense or they'll slant the, the defense alignment a certain way so there's a lot of keys when he's balanced you're not giving up that so whether it is in the pistol or under center it allows you the freedom to be able to do that and then then the, it becomes a number game in the run game I and mean, you're completely balanced much like the indianapolis colts used to be with peyton manning it's a you're finding the numbers okay so if the safety's dropping down here do we want to run to leverage or are we run outside zone all of these little things it gives you the opportunity to have the pencil last because then it puts the in the quarterback's lap and he can switch what side he's going to it, it allows inside zones that then hit cutbacks and, and james Conner has the ability to do all these things as we've seen him do so there's a lot of freedom in being under center from the standpoint it creates more balance uh but it's not a necessity by any means
2: anderson again Six three two thirty. 230, spent the past three seasons with the Chargers. He's As far as weight is concerned, he's more like Demetrius Harris, but not as tall. Daniels and Harris, both unrestricted free agents. Mentioned Max Williams still coming off that knee injury. Don't know how healthy he's going to be, so some depth at the tight end position with the addition of Steven Anderson. The other move that was made recently that we haven't had a chance to hear from you, Drew, is the addition of Penciled in right guard, Will Hernandez, who comes over from the New York Giants, comes in. Great history with Sean Coogler, and all of a sudden, a need at right guard has been filled. If if nothing else, in pencil, that you've got someone that you can plug in and now
3: solidify from left to right your tackle, your guard, and your center. That's huge. I mean, I, I think that was definitely a point of emphasis. And when you go get a guy you're familiar with, but also that started a handful. Of, I mean, let's. However many games he's had, he's been not only in the league for a while, but he's played in a ton of games. He's started a bunch of games, and he's seen a ton of football. On top of that, knowing him, just the perception of him throughout the NFL, he's got a mean streak to him. He's got a demeanor to him, which I think is so important for offensive linemen to have because he shows up and he plays football and he protects his quarterback. And when you have guys like that that are in front of you, everybody around kind of – carries that torch a little bit more. They, they have that demeanor about him where they play with this edge. Um, nothing against the guys that were here in the past, nothing against what it is, but he's known as a guy that's more feisty. He's going to mix it up. If you get near his quarterback, he's not going to like it. So those are guys that I love to play with uh, because you knew that they had your back no matter what.
2: He did admit that he's going to have to figure out a, to learn to deal with a mobile quarterback behind him and he was opening on it's like look it's a challenge i'm up for the challenge and he's gonna have to hold his block for a little bit longer and that's something that again going back to the offseason that you kind of figure out a little bit all right maybe it's one and a half seconds now it's an additional split second or full second maybe and maybe even three seconds with Kyler murray in the
3: backfield well i think more than that is you just never give up right uh, any offensive line would love to be able to block for four seconds uh <laughs> it's just a matter of actually being able to do it <laughs> so and saying that I think the mindset is is you never give up on a play because sometimes okay ball's out here or if, you know certain tags if it's a, a quick game you know that as an offensive lineman so you can cut or you can do different things anything is fair game with Kyler back there. That's what makes him so special and so dynamic. So it is a mindset. It is a practice type of mentality that you have of you stick with your block, you stick with your guy uh, until you know that the ball is gone. So that that is something that I I think he can work on if that's what he's alluding to more than anything else.
2: Recently, Will Hernandez on the Big Red Rage with Paul Calvisi and mentioned the PFF grades, pro football focus as far as what they – were last season versus what they were in Hernandez's first season coming off that time at UTEP with Sean Kugler. Your PFF grades were the best as a rookie of your NFL career. Could that be a correlation to coming off all that time with Sean Kugler and entering the league? Yeah, I definitely think there is correlation there. And uh, not, not only uh, looking at the PFF grades, but how I felt playing, how I looked at myself on film. You know, there was a lot of Kugler on the tape, um, (laughs) as you could say. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, as the years went by and stuff, you know, uh, Kugler thing was always there. But, you know, it wasn't as repetitive and you didn't see it every day as I did when I was back at UTEP. So, um, but, yeah, definitely some correlation there.
4: You know, you look at it, and he mentioned also with on uh, uh, the Big Red Rage that he went through four offensive line coaches. They fired the coordinator and Jason Garrett. They fired the the head coach at the end of the year. I mean, so uh, obviously Daniel Jones has been turning the ball over. They they can't run the football with, with Saquon Barkley. So there's a lot that goes into it. But the fact that he has started at right and left guard that can go a long way. And, and to me, the sweet spot when you're signing free agents, he's 26 right now. He'll be 27 when the season starts and and that's what you want to get it's a one-year deal he knows he has to prove himself but I'm looking forward to seeing because he's going to maul guys in the run game
2: well we always talk about relationships and you look at the relationship between James Saxon and James Conner Conner's before last season his best year his Pro Bowl year was with Saxon with the Steelers you come here on a one-year prove-it deal if you will Will Hernandez same thing one-year prove-it deal and you're back to familiar personnel if you will maybe that familiar surroundings but you understand what you're walking into with a position coach that you're familiar with and got the
4: best out of you yeah and we all know at the end of the day Kugler's going to play the best five guys and and we'll see what happens with Josh Jones Justin Murray Um, you know we'll see Josh Jones obviously guy that um, they had a lot of high hopes for and he didn't pan out I'm not saying they're giving up on him he's going to provide depth Uh, Max Garcia signed with the Giants and then we'll see what happens with Justin Murray you know he's making two million he could play four different positions so you got to have some depth there but the key is and you can't predict it they just got to stay healthy and hump did not play very well last year and hopefully he has a bounce back here nine different offensive
2: line combinations last season the year prior just four stay healthy and maybe you have a little bit better end to your regular season going into that postseason. season Catch up on past episodes of the day. Pash Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat as we continue. Yes, it is April. Yes, the draft is just three weeks away. What are some positions of need, especially with that first round pick? This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: It off. No running room off the right side. In fact, a loss of two on the play. Zabin Collins, the first guy there. And that is a big man coming down from
0: the weak side, shooting the gap. Zabin Collins again.
1: Throws over the middle, tipped into the air, and incomplete. He was going for his tight end. Pass was off the mark. Zabin Collins had coverage that time, and it's fourth down. Zabin Collins
0: bats that ball into the air with all of that great length.
1: Use check in motion. It is a quarterback drop the middle. Lance's hit, drives the legs forward. Going to be close. The 49ers are short. Zavin Collins with the tackle. Zavin Collins, the rookie at 260 playing downhill, came in and laid some lumber, baby. Didn't see
2: a lot of that out of Zayvon Collins in 2021 the hope is we see more of that in 2022 that jump from year one to year two as we walk you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Geek. get your seats in a seat Craig Riolu Drew Stanton and Mike Jarecki Zayvon Collins last year's number one overall pick the year prior Isaiah Simmons, the number one overall pick as far as the Cardinals' first-round selections. Back-to-back years now, MJ, you're going inside linebacker. Isaiah Simmons, we did see that jump last season, but I think now with a full off-season that even Isaiah Simmons hasn't had, you get these guys in this building and they are able to figure out right, what we did right, what we did wrong, and really be that two beautiful trees, as Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury described them, together on the field because we didn't see it a lot last year
4: yeah and you know I, I wonder i think it was you you had the stat of pro football focus had him lining up at five different positions i get the impression maybe that should maybe go down to three and i think they i don't know if he'll ever rush the passer but they want him on the edge or he can cover the in the flat and make tackles in the open field and then Zayvon Collins is going to have to be your thumper uh, when it comes to the uh, the run game. So it'd be curious to see. How, and then what do they do with uh, uh, Nigel Verl? Um, Nick Vigil? Nick, Nick Vigil, excuse me. Yeah, what do they do with him? Is he more of a, a rotation guy? Is he going to be on the field? Because I think if you look at Isaiah Simmons, slot corner, inside, and then he can possibly cover tight end. So I, I would think they would maybe tail back a little bit. Maybe not so much on his plate.
2: Isaiah Simmons according to Pro Football Focus five different positions inside outside linebacker slot corner outside corner free safety Zaven Collins last season did see a lot of time late in the year at outside linebacker Drew is it at that point now with two young kids that you all right narrow down the focus so they just figure out all right this is what I this is
3: not my full sole job but at least not try to throw so much at them that's interesting, the five different positions of inside corner and outside corner of, like, it's man-to-man, so he's just <laughs> following his guy. But pro football focus has something figured out because they're doing a good job of getting everybody to buy into that. So, uh, yeah, I think you let those two guys – they're so freakishly athletic, right? It is I think it's hard – and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but those that's a hard position to step into as a young guy because there's so much thinking and processing that you have to do, and then also communicating. So not only are you diagnosing what the offense is doing, you're communicating, you're adjusting, you're adapting on the fly, and any time you're not up to speed, it allows you um, to have to slow down to process it, and then you can't play to your athletic ability so hopefully they can simplify things yes i mean you look at somebody like zayvon collins and being a later first round pick um the thumper type of the mentality that you want at middle linebacker he's got to be able to make those calls for you because he's the one that's on the field if he is not as um as stout in the um past game as you want him to be because he can't guard tight ends or doing this then it changes but you have the luxury and the versatility of somebody like isaiah Simmons, and he can do all of those things he can he can line up and he can do all these things in a base type of defense nick vigil's been in this offense or defense before he's been with vance joseph so he knows how to do it maybe he's the one calling it and they try and play and do stuff around you can get creative with those three guys on the field if you don't have a pass rusher if you don't go out and get somebody to rush the passer on the edge because both those guys those two young guys can then be athletic, and they don't have to think. They don't have to do anything except for go, okay, beat that one guy across from you. And inside, outside, as long as you you find your gap, it's going to give you more freedom to do that. So uh, the versatility that potentially exists there uh, is what you want because those guys have to be on the field. They weren't on the field in the, the latter part of the year together, which is – When you're talking about back-to-back first-round picks, investing that much draft capital, it's a must moving forward.
2: Yeah, you don't want that investment on the sidelines. They need to be on the football field. So the question is, all right, how do they get on the field more often? Rob Fredrickson, a guest of the Big Red Rage recently on what he thinks could help Collins and Simmons.
4: That interior defensive line, because the Cardinals were getting gashed last year, let's, let's be honest, uh, in the run game, mm-hmm. that would benefit these two guys immensely uh, to get a, just a run plug and stuff and interior defensive lineman in there that, that is consistent, that can stay healthy. Um, that would free up the athletic ability of Zavin Collins, Isaiah Simmons, and allow them to run and to fill those gaps and to not have these big offensive linemen in their faced whole time
2: defensive line is that an option for the cardinals at pick number 23 or if not in the first round in the second or third round it's certainly a position of need you brought up edge rusher and the fact that right now this team doesn't have that prototypical edge rusher outside of marcus golden but when you look at first round needs and someone who can come in right away start week one and be consistent we didn't see that the past two years with a first round draft pick is there a position that makes more sense for the Cardinals that the Cardinals can count on to be that guy for 17 straight games?
3: Yeah, well, I think you know it's very well documented how Steve Kim approaches the draft with all of his guys on board. right? If they do all of these different simulations, it's going to come out different every single time because it's always best available, which he truly buys into and believes. In saying that, if that aligns with where you see a need, and Rob did a great job of kind of outlining that, defensive line is something that, it's not sexy, so you draft this guy in the first round and nobody's going to sit there and say, oh, I know that guy from Mississippi State. But if he does his job, it allows everybody else around you to be better at their job. And when you've invested that much in the in the second line of defense, if you will, at linebacker, you want to make sure that first line of defense is as stout as possible. And those guys that grab, any guys that are there and taking the ability for guys to come downhill and run downhill at the linebacker position in the run game, being able to diagnose things because they don't have to worry about it – those defense linemen are crafty they know how to do it and, and again the edge rushers all of those guys you've got to be smart especially in this how, how much guys are dropping out and doing different stuff you can't just plug and play a guy so the middle to late round picks of the first round get kind of tricky because where do they fit into what you want to do because a first round pick is a first round pick you you don't want to miss on those you want to be able to put those guys in and, and be able to benefit from having them right away and that's not always the case but a defensive lineman can do that and hopefully the uh, that's the case come this april
4: you know we i think when you start looking at how you build a roster obviously they start with quarterback left tackle pass rusher and then corner but the impression i get from steve is they want to be better up the middle okay and so you look at you know De- De- Devonte wyatt from georgia i mean he's a, he's he's a really good player jordan jordan davis from georgia so I mean, depending on if they don't get a uh, wide, if they don't resign AJ Green or another wide receiver, then I would think wide receiver would be in play. And then, do they go for a pass rusher? According to Dan, Daniel Jeremiah, there are twenty deep. So, do you find one in the second round? So, it's going to be interesting. Who's on the board, and what direction they go at twenty-three? Um, but they got to get they got to get a big run stopper in the middle. And I think we all focus on the pass rusher. But teams were running right up the middle on this team, and. You know, Zavin Collins is going to have to go through a lot of uh, trials and errors because Jordan Hicks was making those tackles five or six yards down the line of scrimmage.
3: Yeah, that's a great point because they made a point of emphasis last year to solidify the middle for Kyler right on offense. And they also made a point of emphasis to get the middle right between the safeties and the linebackers so the next piece of that would be the interior defensive lineman and look you're in a league where there's three teams they are run first they are trying to run the football they stick with the run game you've got to be able to do that because even in that Rams game you know they started kind of breaking off these chunk type of runs if you have a guy that allows you to get downhill and puts them behind the chains you're going to put yourself in a better position so whether or not that guy's out there i'm not that well studied uh to be able to tell you the defensive lineman that exists out there because Maybe you can get them in the second round, maybe you can get them in the third round. These space eaters that have the ability to do that, uh, because if you feel good about maybe a corner or maybe somebody like that where guys aren't going to have to think as much and be able to play and rely on their athletic ability, it's better. But as far as wide receiver, that's another tough position to come into because you have to be able to identify coverage in cliff system, you have to be able to identify hots and sights and all these different aspects that we've seen some of these guys that we've drafted high in the past. Not be able to make that jump right away And some of them are still on the roster So Rondell Moore you're looking for more from him And Isabella is still on the roster right now Guys that you would love to see kind of Step up to the plate because it is hard It's something that's asked of you and it's the thinking portion of it, but then there's the physical portion of it. And when those don't allow align correctly, you're going to struggle, and then your confidence starts to waver.
4: No, I think you bring up a valid point because in a receiver in this offense, you got to be able to recognize coverage because you got to change your route, and the quarterback's got to trust you. When you look at a plug-and-play guy, edge rusher, or defense line, a little bit easier to, yeah, translate, to exactly. translate. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's. I mean, that's how I see it in my eyes, and, and the proof's in the pudding from what we've seen. Um, the last couple of years here so hopefully that can change and those guys that are on the roster can step up because there's open
2: there are a number of needs it's just a matter how you address that with respect to the draft first round second round or third round cardinals don't pick again after round number three until the sixth round and the 215th overall selection at least as we speak right now Check out Season 1 of Cardinals Folk Tales on our official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. Get the story behind the stories from several remarkable moments in Cardinals history. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Snap to Rodgers, drops back, he's in trouble. Rolling left, being chased, gets hit, launches it. Middle of the field, in the end zone, it is... Oh, my goodness, it's caught. It's caught for a touchdown. You can't be serious. A touchdown for Green Bay. Oh, my
0: goodness.
1: There are no words.
4: It, it was like a, a roller coaster. So at the end, of the end of regulation, you're like,
1: two Hail Marys? Right. Two right. Hail Marys? Are you, are you kidding Bethel, what are you doing on the first one? <laughs> <laughs> knocked that ball down on the second
2: one. So, like, you're just so dejected. And Aaron just did this. About so one, but um, two.
4: So I'm, I'm going out to the coin toss. I'm like, please, Lord, just let us win this coin toss because we can't go into overtime on defense <laughs> no. after he just did that. Yeah. So we got fortunate. We were able to win the coin toss. And V.A. came right over to me and said, like, look, Larry, this is what we want to run. I was like, cool, coach. Let's run for it. And I, and I started running, and, like, nobody's with me. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I, I like that.
1: Fitz is wide open. Caught at
4: the 35
1: moment. He's there. He's at the 40. At the 50. Turns up field at the 45. At the 40. 35. Sniff arms 30. 25-20. Fits to the near side. 10. To the 5. And tackled there. Oh, baby. Carson Palmer saw Larry Fitzgerald on the other side of the field. And threw it while moving on the run. And then Larry Fitzgerald, the legend, Took over and did the rest.
4: I told Wolf I actually phoned up to the to the box right when <laughs> overtime was starting. I told him, listen, I'm gonna go to the left. I'm gonna break a few tackles. I'm gonna tackle at the five. So get what you're gonna say prepared. And so you so you look good and this sound bite can live on forever. And and, and you, uh, you took the advice and you ran with it.
1: Snap. The Palmer rolls off. and it's a pitch to fifth, running straight ahead into the end zone. The shovel pass for the touchdown of the win. The Cardinals advance to the NFC Championship game on a shovel pass. double pass scores and the Cardinals win it in overtime 26 to
2: 20. Larry Fitzgerald is only Larry Fitzgerald can walking us through the ending of the 2015 divisional playoff game against the Green Bay Packers from his subtle jab of Justin Bethel to another subtle jab of Ron Wolfley but a moment, well you had the best view Drew, of anyone on the sidelines for that one watching Carson Palmer perhaps make the most athletic move of his career, knocking into his own offensive linemen, spinning away, and then finding a wide-open Larry Fitzgerald. (laughs) We bring this all up because that can no longer happen in the National Football League, at least in the postseason. Based off new overtime rules, each team now gets a possession. Like it? Don't like it? How do you feel about now all of a sudden we've got to play fair? Josh Allen can't be on the sidelines Each team must get the ball.
3: Well, first of all, we told Larry just score and then we'd have to do the (laughs) shovel pass. I mean, a younger Larry Fitzgerald scores there, right? But he, the showman that he is, he just wanted to hear the Larry, Larry. But that's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium in my life. I mean, I, I still got chills listening to that lead in now because I put myself back in there. And yes, I had a great seat. Thank you for that reminder. Um, and that's all I was thinking in my mind. Is like Carson's the one that made the play. Larry was just wide open, you know. So uh, it that's was that great quarterback though. club. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Com- completely biased. But I personally don't like this rule. I don't like the change. I think that looking at the competition committee, and I get why they did it. Right. I understand that, but at the same time, there is a certain way to play this game, and that's just how it goes, right? You look at at Cincinnati Bengals. They stopped Kansas City the very next week, and they went on to win a football game, Uh, but ratings in the NFL matter. People being in, the viewership, the intention of doing that. So I I get all of those components, and that goes into the decision-making process of it because Josh Allen never got a chance. At the same time, the defense stops them to get a chance. So I I think that uh, it's tough. It really is because you play an entire regular season and it comes down to that. And that football game in general, that is why we're changing this rule, was so tremendous, and I loved every second of it. Unfortunately, it came down the way that it came down uh, because Kansas City was playing so well um, that, that it didn't allow them a chance to do it. Craig said we probably won't
4: have one overtime game in the playoffs next year. <laughs> All this talk about
2: trying to make it fair, there will not be a single game that goes into overtime next year. And the postseason. Regular season rules stay the same as far as overtime. All right, yeah. let me
4: ask you this. So if you win the coin toss, you take the ball, or you defer and the other team scores a touchdown, do you go for two on the other end? How do you think the analytics, you're a big fan of that?
3: Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's all going to go into play of it, right? You might have the percentages already. (laughs) Um, But, no, I I do think that's it. Uh, My mindset, being an offensive player, is I want the ball regardless. It does not matter to me because – all of a sudden, you put them on their heels, and it becomes a different mindset. Uh, there's the flow of the game you take into consideration at the same time, and depending on the structure of the team, if you have a great defense that you want to roll back out there, like Larry said, like we didn't want to throw that defense back out there. You know, Justin uh, did everything he possibly could, but just didn't make those plays, and some of those guys are gassed. All of that is taken into consideration, so you can't just sit there and say it's cut and dry. But I would want the ball in my quarterback's hands, leading down the field, doing all of these things uh, on the onset because I want to be the aggressor. I mean, even in the regular season football game, if I won the coin toss, I would never defer.
2: That was the big news coming out of the annual league meeting. Now, a couple of days after that, there was perhaps even bigger news. Again, it's great that we can have Drew Stanton here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seats. but your former head coach, Bruce Arians, announcing that he was going to step down, step into the front office with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Todd Bowles is now the head coach of the Buccaneers. Surprised or... Do you know things that maybe the rest of us don't know?
3: No, I was completely surprised. Uh, how much time do we have here <laughs> to make sure I don't go over it? Because I had a complete blunder of like why you don't text in a hurry, and I'm I'm okay sharing this because obviously BA and I are close. But I had no idea, and I'm walking out the door and I missed a call from AQ Shipley, and I texted them back. I was like, "Hey, what's going on in Tampa?" I was like, "I'm headed to my son's baseball game." And I saw BA retired. I was like, "Tom didn't force this, did he?" And I go to the baseball game. After the game, I get a text from BA, and he said, hey, kid, it's me. No, he didn't force it. He's like, I just wanted to do it on my own terms. And I was like, oh, man, you talk about a blunder. I sent <laughs> BA a text on retirement saying, did Tom force you to retire? And he was like, no, I didn't. But having that relationship with BA, um, I think a lot of people were really surprised. But that was kind of his whole objective anyways, right? He, he is all about creating a culture, creating a nucleus, and he's so good of – taking care of everybody all of the assistant coaches making sure that everything was in place and todd bowles is going to do a tremendous job right you look at what he is and having been in that locker room been around todd how people gravitate towards him what the players are saying about him ba just felt like now was the time to step away and now was the right time uh and, and there's so many things for them to be able to do and have success so uh i just said after that hey i apologize uh I'm so thankful because of the impact he had on me and so many other people in this league.
2: And B.A. is still going to be around that team. There's no way that he is not going to be around well, that he's, team. Well, he's, he's
4: trying to figure out where he's going to where he's going to stand in, uh, during the games because he cannot be on the sidelines. So he, is he going to be walking around? Is he going to be in a suite? It's a different role. So he's trying to figure that part out.
2: Congratulations, by the way, to Todd Bowles. I think he'll do a fantastic job. Plus, he's got a better talented team than maybe he had with his first go-around with the New York Jets. So, again, something to pay attention to. And, of course, there's always something to follow when you're talking about Bruce Arians, the former Cardinals head coach. Hey, special thanks behind the scenes. Our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Cody Fincher. For Drew Stanton, Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.